Welcome to Educated Messes, a podcast to help you sift through the bullshit around work, well-being, and relationships. We'll ask questions, seek answers, and share experiences to help you navigate the messier parts of life. Because trial and error is a lot easier when we do it for you. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kyla, and today we are so excited because we have our first guest here on Educated Messes. And this is really exciting to us because one of the big goals behind this podcast is to be able to highlight the stories and experiences of others and be able to relate to each other and feel supported. So this is this feels big. I'm excited. So big. Yeah, I'm so excited. Our first guest is Katie Gallagher or KG. So to give a little backstory... Katie is the founder of Tight Club Athletics, which was a brick and mortar studio on Union Street in Vancouver, a fitness studio for several years, but it has taken on many forms throughout the last almost 10 years or so that KG will take you through in our interview. And it is currently an online fitness platform called TCTV, and she has hundreds of monthly subscribers on there. So Katie and I have known each other for about five years. I personally started going to Thai Club in like November of 2016. I was fairly new to Vancouver and I actually saw Katie and Thai Club on Instagram, on Erin Ireland's Instagram. <laughs> many, many follows her. She's like a vegan baker. And I thought it looked so cool. I'd never really seen a space that looked like that. And it looked really fun. And so I decided I was going to try and weasel my way into the community, which I kind of did. <laughs> and I worked at the studio for a couple years. And I've also worked with them digitally on social media. And Katie and I co-created a community initiative called Good Try, which some of you would be familiar with, but it was a monthly activity like rock climbing or kayaking or dragon boating or hockey where we would plan these events and get sponsors. And the intention was to create connection through activity and to have people be able to try things at like a lower barrier to entry due to sponsorship and things like that. So Katie is a definite mentor and a friend and she shares so much beautiful and smart insight in this conversation. It's really awesome. Yeah, totally. So during our conversation, Katie shares how Tight Club was born and she talks about how that came from a desire to create a safe space where people can move and feel joyful and kind of to rewrite the language of fitness. And mm-hmm. we talk about a lot of things during this episode, but some main things that came up were community, knowing and leaning into our values while still being able to adapt to change, a little bit about burnout and the importance of staying curious as a leader, which we love. Mm-hmm. And one big takeaway we had is that you don't need all the answers to try big things. Yeah, it comes back to our uh, episode one, I think. How yeah. How do you try? <laughs> or what was it? Why is it so scary to try new things? Why is it yeah. so scary? Yeah. Throwback. I think that you'll get some really good insight here. Yeah. And Katie has a bachelor's of science from Portland State University. She's an ACE certified personal trainer, an entrepreneur, a Lululemon ambassador, and a definite community leader here in Vancouver. 
And so we hope you enjoy this conversation, our first ever interview. And Katie has been so generous to offer us a little discount code for the EM community. So if you want to try out TCTV, there is a seven-day free trial. And you can also use code TIGHTMESS at the end of your trial for 15% off your first month. So that's TIGHTMESS, all one word, for 15% off your first month. Okay, so fun. Let's jump in. Our first ever interview. Here's Katie Gallagher. Hi, Katie. Oh, hi, Kelsey. (laughs) (laughs) We're so excited to have you here, our very first Educative Messes guest. My goodness. I feel (laughs) very fortunate to be here. I'm (laughs) such a fan, Kelsey (laughs) and Kyla. Come on. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow. Honored. Okay. Well, because we only have like a shorter amount of time, I wanted to just hop right in. So maybe you can start with just your story, the story of Tight Club and how it came to be and just walk us through that. Okay. So I started Tight Club back in 2012. Um, I had just graduated university and I was, I'd also just moved to Vancouver from living and spending about five years down in Portland. And I spent a year down in Eugene when I went to University of Oregon. And I was having a bit of an identity crisis because I had just lived out, you know, the past 12 years of my life as like a very competitive athlete, one that felt very fortunate to have amazing coaches who, who never used fear tactics to get me to, to do what I did. And I was able to do it and learn how to do, to do the things like running and jumping and throwing out of joy because I love to move. And when I went down to university, I was thrown into an extremely toxic environment where our workouts were basically punishments for not more for either not winning the competition we just did, or I don't know, maybe the teacher or the coach was just pissed. But I basically left my athletic career behind me, feeling very disenfranchised and felt like movement didn't feel good anymore. And so when I moved to Vancouver, Mm -hmm. and I was surrounded by some really amazing people, I worked at the Alibi Room, and everyone had something cool going on outside of the Alibi Room. And I was like, man, like, I need something cool going on. Like, I've I've always really felt connected (laughs) to the arts, but I've never, you know, I'm a jock. Like, I I went to track practice, like, I didn't (laughs) paint things, I didn't, but I appreciated them. And so I just started surrounding myself mm-hmm. and making new friends with people who who did cool things and and they ended up asking me they're like Katie like you know how to exercise like do you think you could help us and I said oh my gosh I would love to and they're like yeah but don't please don't make it feel like the gym and I'm like oh don't worry because I hate the gym as well I'm <laughs> just as tormented by it as you are and so that was March 2012, and I basically made it my mission to rewrite the language of fitness, and in this case, for creatives, and to try to make fitness be something joyful, kind of like how when we were kids. And that was chapter one. We'd meet once a week at a park outside with a bunch of cool kids or people who I thought were really cool and interesting and had cool (laughs) things going on. And, and that was how it started. 
And I remember being asked by someone that I used to work with, like, Katie, do you think this will ever turn into a studio? And I was like, oh, hell no. Like, please, no. That sounds <laughs> scary. <Ooh>. <laughs> but you could, say, you could say that that was like the first chapter of Tight Club, which was where I found, I found my place to be creative. And I found that through movement. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear chapter two? I love that. I do. I also just want to point out my favorite. I can think of you telling me this like years ago. I think I was like interviewing for a job with you maybe. And you told me like the story of Tight Club and something you said that really has sat with me since is like you sort of redefine the idea of what it means to be creative from be. And I felt the same way. Like I can't draw and I can't I don't, I don't know even know what I consider to be like the creative arts, but I was like, I don't fall into that. And it's like you created tight club, everything about it is a creation. And just like, there was something about you framing it that way, where sometimes I feel like we neglect to consider that that's a form of creativity. Like we think of it so much as like the fine arts or something. So I just, it's cool that you brought that up because I remember you telling me that once and just thinking like, oh, you can create things and it doesn't, there's not like a certain set of rules around what it means to like practice creativity or like feel like a creative. It was so inspiring and empowering to be in that place of creation too. Like I can sit Mm -hmm. down and I can see form and I can see color and I can trace out a storyline through movement. And, Mm -hmm. and it was translating quite well with the people that I was getting to train. And the first workouts we were doing, I never said the word squat or burpee. And I I just remember, I, (laughs) I remember the, um, the themes were like zombie theme, zombie apocalypse themed (laughs) workouts or like (laughs) Coachella themed workouts. One time it was pool party at Snoop Dogg's workout. (laughs) Perfect. And I I was into it. I got <laughs> off on it. It was fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that being in that place of creativity really helped me feel present. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that place of presence, I think that you can do some really, really cool things. Mm-hmm. Okay, take us through how we go from field workouts to tight club on Union Street. Well, from the field to Union Street, there was actually a little chapter in between, which is what I call chapter two. I lived in Strathcona at the time, and I really loved the neighborhood. And there was there was no gym, you know, it was a neighborhood, there was a few coffee shops and a few bars, but it really wasn't the hub of fitness like it is now, or at least Chinatown is. And I really wanted to keep tight club in the neighborhood. So I ended up getting a coach house. Mm -hmm. I turned the downstairs two-car garage into a little studio. And I lived upstairs. And I I was starting to develop like (laughs) mat-based workouts from my garage. And for the next two and a half years, I was opening up my garage doors. And there'd be, you know, 12 people waiting outside in the alley. And it became this like (laughs) Strathcona thing. (laughs) Until I started getting some neighborhood complaints that there was like, no more parking and there's just like too much fun going on in those alleys so then I felt like it was time to to actually like start looking like okay wow I am gonna get a studio and I'm gonna make this I'm gonna take this to the next level and I I felt very strongly that I really wanted to keep it in the neighborhood as well Mm -hmm. and so I worked with someone to help me find a space my broker was amazing and we found 
the most disgusting place on the block. It smelled so rotten and we we whipped it into shape. We cleaned it up. We we gutted it and turned it into the the field house of our dream. So cool. I also want to talk about how you were able to incorporate so much of like I think that you can just see the values throughout it and like wanting to keep it nearby and and wanting it to feel different and all of that. But I also think that maybe you can sort of tell us a little bit about the space itself, because I know that that like you were very intentional about how it looked on the inside and the different design pieces. I just feel like I I wouldn't want to miss out on hearing about that. Yeah. Oh, this brings back feelings right now. Oh. Well, yeah, there's a lot of heart that went into the space. My dad was a big part of making that space extra special. And I'll, I'll talk about what he did in a second. I really wanted the gym space to feel like you were walking into someone's home. And even though going back to the coach house days where I lived, truly people were walking into my home. And it was very much this like, very homey community like friendly comforting experience that although the coach house wasn't like designed like all cool or anything it was a feeling that I wanted to recreate so when I was working with my designers I was I was like I don't know I don't really know much about design but I do know that I want people to feel like they're walking into someone's home mm-hmm. so that they're able to feel comfortable in themselves. And I had always identified that gyms were very stark and cold and open and almost felt like no one was there for you when you walked into a gym space. And I wanted to be the absolute opposite of that. (laughs) So the vibe was very much like, welcome to my home. And also, let's try to make this space where we're actually moving and grooving in feel like we're not also in a gym, but like maybe something like a basketball court or something where you can actually Mm -hmm. picture yourself, you know, playing the sport in. So, oh, I loved our floor so much. We, we designed, we did like custom floor designs. You can imagine like a melting pot of, of like a basketball floor and a volleyball court and tennis court in a beautiful artistic abstract line arrangement and I just thought it was so cool I thought it was the coolest thing I've seen in gyms mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh <laughs> my goal was that you know like my goal was that like when you're down there doing your foot drills or you're doing some sort of a an agility drill it takes you to the place of you're actually playing basketball mm-hmm. you know you're not just in there growing your gym muscles your or your mirror muscles like we're we're training for life here <laughs> Love it. Another part that was really, really close to my heart was making sure that our change room and our back area, um, which was our change rooms, bathrooms, vanity area, was going to be inclusive for all people. So we made sure that we had single use stall, washroom, bathroom, shower rooms. So no matter who you were, what your identity is, um, you felt safe in the space that you were changing in or showering, or using mm-hmm. the washroom in. Um, so that was a big part of mm-hmm. the design there. And I, I think these efforts really helped to make a difference in our, like in our community's experience with fitness. I know a lot of people said mm-hmm. that it, Tight Club was a real safe space for them to 
well, it was really the only place that they could go to actually truly feel seen and heard and, and represented and, and feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, even just you talking about the floor, like I can just, I'll, I will put up pictures on our Instagram cause I have lots so people can see it in real life. But I just think that's been such a thread of tight club too, about we're moving to feel good and we're moving to do the things that we love in life, like snowboarding and dancing and running and biking and all of that. And I just think it's so, it's so important, the intention that goes into a space because it's true that like when you're in there and you're working out, I just like gyms can be so rough on people's mental health and like it, it, they can be so stuffy and just not feel good. And mm-hmm. it's just so interesting to think about the ways that a space itself can make you feel like a little disarmed almost to like feel more comfortable and move a little bit bigger and all of those things that are so important to tight club. So it's always cool to hear you talk about that. And your dad made the front look like a house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, okay. I was just thinking, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that part. <laughs> I wasn't going to yeah. let you forget. When you would walk into the space, you walked into a beautiful house house frame, if you can imagine, like a peak at the top. And it was, I'm, I'm sure we'll show photos, mm-hmm. but essentially it, it, it was you're walking into the real frame of a home. Mm-hmm. And that was the feeling that I really wanted to portray was that you were walking into someone's home. But yeah, my dad did yeah. a lot of the woodwork in the space. It was really cool to to work with my dad on that project. And it was really sad to say goodbye to the space this year, which I have a feeling we'll probably talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard not to. But yeah, I guess the, the latest chapter in Tight Club would be you, like so many other businesses, had to kind of make some big decisions last year around safety and fitness studios. I feel like we're one of the – or fitness industry, I guess, is one of the industries that was hit the hardest because it's just a tough one to try to figure out. But yeah, now you have TCTV, which is all online. And maybe you can just tell us about like how that feels and what it's been like building a community online. Oh my word. <laughs> yeah. I am every single day it feels different. I, and I will say this now, I would have never thought that Tight Club would evolve into what it is today, which is TCTV. Mm-hmm. TCTV is an online library. We've got about almost 100 workouts on there, all focusing on functional movement. There's workouts for all ages, all body types, all all. Um, all feelings, all focuses, as well as, you know, between three and four opportunities to move and groove live stream style. Mm-hmm. But honestly, this past year, and I feel pretty honored to be able to share this story with you, especially since y'all are so centered around wellness and figuring shit out in, you know, that kind of way. <laughs> Yeah, that the idea of of evolving Tight Club from a physical location into the digital space that it is today, of course, it had a lot to do with COVID and how my mission with Tight Club is to provide the safest space and opportunity for people to feel like they can be their biggest, boldest self in their movement. And I obviously I mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I could really live into that under the current protocols. 
But I noticed that my mental health was fucked up. I was in this constant loop of of burnout. I look back at the relationships, like my professional relationships that I was holding, and I'm like, I was a friggin' robot. And I was obsessed with output. And when we closed down, and I had to make some major changes within like our, our team structure, and I realized that the weight of the company was going to be on my back again. Mm-hmm. At that point in my life, and at that point of where my head was at, and my mental state was at, I, I just couldn't carry it anymore. And I needed mm-hmm. to find the healthiest place for me to live and breathe and grow. And it wasn't going to be in a like running a brick and mortar business. Um, and it took me a really long time to come to grips with that. Mm-hmm. And I also got married this year and my husband Yay. lives in California. <laughs> oh my God. And I really <laughs> saw this as an opportunity to fly a bit, you know, like, I mean, obviously not right now, but <laughs> seeing that I had to hop a ditch to see him a couple days ago, oh. maybe we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but I think we were the best in the world at creating connections and building community through movement. Mm-hmm. You know, how the heck was I going to do that on a digital platform? And I'm giving it my best shot right now. I, I also think that what Tight Club is today may be some of my best work. Mm-hmm. And it is, we've gone through a full rebrand. Everything is new. Everything is, you know, fresh and colorful. But I have to be honest, every single day I wake up feeling like it could all go away. Like it could be, like I could lose everything. And it's mm-hmm. not a good feeling. I'm not, I haven't settled into this, this new life yet. Yeah. I mean, it's so much, well, thank you so much for sharing too. Like I have heard your stories before, but it, I'm like inspired the same as the first time. And I also just think it makes so much sense because Kyle and I have even talked about that. Like even with the work that we do when you're like sitting at home on a computer and like it's all, everything lives on this device. It's so easy to have these moments where you're just like, is this real? Like it's so much less tangible than having a brick and mortar space that you go to, whether that's an office or, or tight club. And so definitely a relatable feeling of just, it's so, it feels so bizarre to be doing life this way where it's, we're not like seeing people and and going to meetings or like having spaces. So obviously yours is a little bit, or not a little bit, it's heightened for sure, but definitely similar feelings with like having our whole worlds be on a computer is, is definitely a new feeling. Yeah. Something that really stands out as you tell your story the whole way through is that you know your values and you're able to, even when the situation is changing, kind of lean into those and make decisions that even though they're like, it goes from the field to the garage to the studio, they're all different situations, but you're capturing this feeling and you're really staying true to what you want to make. One thing we wanted to ask was it can be really vulnerable to be a leader and feel like you need to know everything. And we wanted to know, because it does kind of sound like you were just mentioning what do you do when you feel stuck or when things feel scary? Ooh, that's such a good question, Kyla. I mean, I don't know if this is a strength or a weakness, but 
I know that one of my values is transparency and I'm really, I'm really here to provide human experiences. I just think that um, when you're a leader and you have a community that you can, that you are a part of, I think that being open and honest about where you're at at all times and being able to be held is what makes a really, I, I don't know, a strong leader, I, I suppose. And I think that I've never, I've always really cherished this feeling and this trust that I have in the people, whether it's like my, my team at Tight Club or just our clients or, or everyone in that ecosystem that I knew that I was held and that there was love there. And that if I, if I was having a hard time, I could share it. And I think that was so, what was so beautiful about that culture at Tight Club is because so many times I'd be in a class and one of our instructors would be sharing about how hard of a time they were having. And, and then I'd see after class, you know, clients sitting with them and, and really taking care of each other. And, and I think that that, that was the beauty of Tight Club is that we could all just be human together and mm -hmm. get through shit together. I don't know if that answered your question, but that was how it felt. So much. Oh, yeah. That totally reminds me of, we just recorded an episode on toxic positivity and we talked a lot about being able to feel and acknowledge kind of the full spectrum of human emotion. And it sounds like that's what Tight Club was doing for the community and what you're still in the practice of as you try to make these changes is you're not afraid to admit that you're burnt out. And I think we all can relate to that, especially during the past year. Like there are some really <laughs> tough times and it's okay to, you know, lean on other people and admit it once in a while. For sure. You know? For sure. I totally agree. Yeah. I think, I guess I'm curious about, you seem to have so much trust in the people around you and like the people in Tight Club. I can think of a time where, and maybe you'll remember this too, where someone had kind of shared some like not very nice feedback about Tight Club quite publicly. And it wasn't about anything really relevant to the studio. And I remember I saw it and, and I felt defensive because like, I love this space. And I was like, my instant reaction is just like, how dare this person, which I'm not proud of, but like, that is how I felt. I was like, I don't know about this. The sassy finger was out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> and I, I was so in awe of the fact that I got to see you respond to it. And you were just so kind and so not defensive. Like there was no trying to explain this or that. You were just like, what can I do to make this better? And I was just wondering, like, does that come pretty naturally to you in life in general? Like, do you feel fairly open to feedback or like, how does that, I just, I need you to tell me how to be more like that because I, that's just not, it's such an extension of who you are, Tight Club. So I was just wondering how you did that. Well, Kelsey, if there's one thing I can share about something that I've learned about you, oh, no. I have learned this thing called, what is it? Non-violent communication. Is that what it's called? Yes. This is all Kyla, not me. I probably learned about this trick on an Educated Messes podcast, to be honest. Oh, my God. <laughs> I will say, you know, I'm going to answer this a few ways. One, which is that 
I don't know everything. Come on, I'm just me. I'm just a human. Like I'm <laughs> I think that part of like I really value curiosity and it's really easy to get caught in the opposite of it, especially online when you can let your like fiery senses take over. But I honestly like think whoever this person was and whatever it was because I can't remember what it was is that we all we're both on either sides of the story and once I can understand where they're coming from and create an opportunity where they could learn from me I think we can both walk away being like okay we understand a little bit better and I think that applies to everything and then also and here's me being super not superhuman but like a human which is that like I don't want to start shit. I mean, your way <laughs> your way is definitely like that is the mature nonviolent way to disarm someone is just to like hear them out and be open to what they have to say. Just think that that is t- typically easier said than done for sure, but Okay, I do have to jump in because there was this one time and I I okay, so I've never seen the karate kid and Harrison was like, Katie, you have to see the karate kid. So I learned about Daniel's son and I learned about oh the the blonde guy. I've not oh, seen I've never seen karate kid either. I'm gonna have to fact check this because this is a big part of actually how I chose to respond. Daniel's son is like he's a saint and he just is so wise and he knows. Like he's a non-violent communicator and he may get violent, but he will never throw the first punch. Whereas, oh, oh we're going to have to find it. We'll find it. Okay, I'll and find I remember it. you texted me at like 10 at night and you're like, Katie, there's this person who said this thing on Instagram. What do we say? And I was like, I just finished watching like the second season of Karate Kid. And I was like, I I felt Danielson and like this, like on one shoulder and then the fiery reactive response guy on my other shoulder. And I was like, oh, and I actually let, I let bad guy take over. And I was feeling very sassy in that moment. And I remember pushing send and hair and and Harrison looked at me and he's like whoa like who let's just call this person he's like red red guy Harrison looked at me he's like whoa red guy really won right there and I was like damn it I need to be channeling Daniel's son here so there's my story there that's how I that's how I make my decision Okay, I know that you're half kidding, but that is kind of a mindfulness practice because I got to get my mindfulness plug in to be able to recognize like you have the choice to respond one of any number of ways and you can choose to be like react with emotion or you can choose to, you know, like disarm and have a conversation and be curious. And I think that that's like a really good lesson and tool for sure. (laughs) You think I'm joking. (laughs) I'm not. <laughs> our homework for this, Kyla, is we'll have to watch Karate Kid. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, our key takeaway. Mm-hmm. So, Katie, also while you're talking about that, you mentioned that you like really value curiosity, and so I wanted to talk to you about that because I feel like we talk about it a lot here. For sure, it's kind of the whole premise of of educated messes mm-hmm. in a way. So, 
We talk a lot about being curious and compassionate with our own emotions. It's something we've especially been talking about in our last few episodes. And one of my favorite quotes of yours that I rely on a lot, especially when I'm like mid-run and about to <laughs> like quit everything, is stay curious and kind. You've got what you need. <laughs> and so I was hoping maybe you could tell us a little bit about like where that mentality came from and, and how you apply it to your life. Mm-hmm. It's kind of new, to be honest. I was working with a therapist and I was going down some like dark holes basically that had to do with my self-confidence in my relationship and in my work and we started doing tapping which I don't know if you've ever done tapping like tap therapy before but we worked through some mantras and what came out of it was be curious and kind and it was something that I've worked on I've been working on for the past three or four years now and I it's kind of developed into like a a personal value, but also something that's reflected into the work that I do with Tight Club. And you'll find it in a lot of my language, which clearly, you know, it's, it's in your brain, it's something that I've said, and it's stuck. And I've been finding that so often when we exercise, we shut off our body, and we we don't even acknowledge it. We don't acknowledge the pain that we're feeling. We don't acknowledge the emotional pain that we're going through. And I didn't want that toxic culture coming into the way and the styles that I teach fitness. And so I guess the way that this mantra is showing up in the work that I do is that it's about bringing more of a human experience to the gym and to your practice. And when you can become curious about what's going on in your body, the same way that you know, and use language the same way that you would when you're checking in with your friend, I think it helps us be a little bit more kind to ourselves, especially where we're at. Mm -hmm. And it helps to, I guess, block out any sort of negativity that can so easily seep in when you're in a gym, Mm -hmm. especially for people who feel quite vulnerable in active spaces like that. Like, whether it's seeing yourself in a mirror can be triggering or not feeling like you can keep up Mm -hmm. can be extremely triggering. And like all these things are barriers in preventing people from accessing exercise. Mm-hmm. I think being able to practice this idea of curiosity helps to open these doors and helps us get through these blocks. Mm-hmm. And I know it's easier said than done, but that's kind of where I'm coming from when, when I speak about curiosity. It's giving yourself space to, to play mm-hmm. and to be adventurous and having there not be I guess it comes down to safety. Mm -hmm. You feel safe to play and you feel safe to be big and bold and freaky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that even like within if we just want to separate it into just the fitness industry, like there's such a toxic mindset around like grinding and like going 110% every day or like I don't even I don't I don't subscribe to that anymore. So I'm not sure what those folks are saying lately, but like, I know it exists out there. And I just think it's Mm -hmm. interesting how like Tight Club has focused so much on how do we counter that? Like, how do you listen to your own body and feel the the expectation that you're going to perform, whether it's physically or mentally at the same level every day is like the weirdest concept the idea that some days we might not need more sleep or more rest or like slower movement or more solitude, whatever it is. Like, it's just always kind of baffling to think that we would ever be able to do the same type of thing again and again every day. And I just think it's interesting because it translates so well from 
being able to like listen to your body and tune into what you feel like doing and, and what feels good. And then also like, how does that translate into how you show up for yourself on like a mental health perspective too? Because movement is such an important part, at least for me, like, and I know a lot of people in like a mental health realm, like I move mostly to feel good mentally. And then also a perk of it is that I sometimes like to go snowboarding or like go for a run and it's nice to not get injured or feel terrible, those types of things. But I just think it's so, it's such a good tool to have. And I think the reason why that particular quote stuck with me is like, I think it's, it's not that we don't want to like challenge ourselves to try new things and, and I don't know, do hard things. It's just that it's that coming back to like that we know ourselves best. And so like no one should ever really be like ordering you to do this or that. It should always be sort of a suggestion and then you take with it what you will kind of thing. So I love that mindset. Definitely something we are keen on in all realms for sure. Mm -hmm. So one thing that's definitely a theme of Tight Club and of this conversation, even you've mentioned it a bunch and something that I really love to talk about is community and I feel like it's always been such a huge part of Tight Club's purpose and mission was to create community. And I was just curious, like for you, like what does community mean to you? And and maybe you can tell us about like why that was so important to you. Mm-hmm. For a little bit more context, we were kind of talking about this before we were recording. And for me, before Kelsey and I started talking about this more, I was not really able to define or put my finger on what community really was. I I use the example, like, is it like my neighborhood? Like, what what does that mean? So I think it's really interesting to hear, yeah, what that means to you and how do you kind of foster an environment that encourages community? This is one of the hardest questions because it wasn't something that I sat down and had this like rule book for what does a community look like? But it's a word that I've always used when it comes to our business. I think what makes a a community really thrive is having space and providing space to feel seen and heard. I think that's something that allowed our community, like our community members to feel like they have some ownership in the space. A lot of what we do is based on suggestions and needs and wants and wishes from our community members, whether it's our clients or those who work at Tight Club, you could say it's kind of like a like mm-hmm. a cooperative. I think that safety is a big part um, in fostering community. And safety is kind of a hot topic word. I think something that I've learned is that you can't guarantee safety, but you can do a lot of work into making sure that we are and team members are as informed as possible in barriers or, or language or you know, the the blocks that prevent people from accessing mm-hmm. community spaces are identified. And then you can get like kind of fun with it. Like it's it's like it's the common languages that bring people together. It's it's playing music that feels mm-hmm. good. It's like, you know, providing space to come together. It's 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 being silly. It's being fun and freaky and and also like having there be some structure mm-hmm. too. If there wasn't communities, if there wasn't, you know, if there wasn't places for people to gather, we'd just be like ants running around <laughs> looking for pants, you know? <laughs> Community is like the pants for the ants to be in. <laughs> and 
I don't know. I feel like that's a lame answer. Community is the hardest thing to d- define. Community is a feeling. Yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. And also, there's something funny about Tight Club in that, <laughs> like, I've heard you talk about this before, too, with like checking questions. So for someone who hasn't been to Tight Club, what would happen at the beginning of every class is a class would be an hour long. You'd all sit on your mats at the beginning. There'd be a checking question and it could be like, what's the best thing you ate this week? What's your go-to dancing song or whatever it was or like what's your go-to makeup often they were like like weird and or like if you could what was one where it was like if you could if you had to live in a bar that you've been to and like it's still a bar but you live there like which bar are you living at (laughs) like just everyone in the whole class would answer and you're supposed to keep it brief but like sometimes people would go on tangents and they're talking and KG, I've heard you talk about how like some people would come for the first time and kind of like squirm because they're like, I need to get in my 60 minutes of cardio or whatever it is. <laughs> and it's just like, no, this is just as important, if not more important. Like we're here to like, I just feel like people started coming because they wanted to make friends. Otherwise, you'd go somewhere where you never had to talk to anyone, maybe like if that's what you're into. And so even for me, like from my own experience with going to tight club, like community to me also felt like spending a little bit of time after class, sometimes drinking a beer, chatting with someone who I don't know. And then I'd see them on the seawall three weeks later and they'd wave at me. And I just felt like I wasn't an ant running around Vancouver with no pants. <laughs> no pants. <laughs> I just felt like, I don't know, just, I guess community, like, at least with Tight Club, made me feel less alone. I don't want that to sound, like, so, like, sad. <laughs> like, just it makes you – there's something about just knowing people even a little bit. We've actually talked about that, Kyla, about, like, the kind stranger effect where just, like, even if I said something in a check-in question and, like, a couple people laughed or someone came up to me after and was like, oh, I love that place, too. It's, like, small moments that felt good. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hearing, like – if I'm I'm distilling words, I'm hearing connection, support, familiarity, safety. I love it. I feel like I understand community yeah, better now. Love that was it. useful for me. I think too, like we'd be remiss not to mention that like Tight Club for sure changed the game for Vancouver Fitness Studios on like needing to step up their act on how they treated people coming into a studio because like the inclusivity policy that Tight Club had and the sessions that we would do and the experts that would come in and teach us things about racism and transphobia and fat phobia and fitness and diet culture and all of that. Like I learned and unlearned so many things about the whole industry that like growing up in Kelowna, I remember going to this fitness studio that I won't name, but we would do like step classes. Like you'd step onto that like box and step down and up and down and up and down for like an hour. And it was all beach body conversation. I'll just call it. And I was like 16. And it's just like, that's why I think I just have always felt so much love towards Tight Club is because I never grew up thinking I was athletic at all because I always thought like I did (laughs) went to the step classes for the beach body or something. I don't know. Like that doesn't feel like athleticism to me. And there was something about it turning into like functional movement that had a 
like a point that wasn't that that made me feel like oh I'm an athlete like I move and I run and there's something about giving it a purpose that just made it feel so much better and I just think that I don't know many other places out there that were doing that at least when when tight clubs started and and people have started to follow suit for sure as like the industry has shifted but community to me also is just like making everyone feel like they're a part of it because you're not creating these like weird intimidating vibes yeah any like any sort of a fear-based culture is creating a community that just it's almost in reaction to something nothing is nothing's blooming out of any sort of fostered healthy seeds you could say Okay. Amazing. So cool. Well, we're going to do some rapid fire questions to finish us off. This is Whoa! this is us uh, being inspired by obviously our favorite gal, Brene Brown. So if you've listened to her podcast, you know that this is the vibe, but five rapid fire questions. All right. I guess I'll just jump right in. So what is one book you think everyone should read? The E-Myth. The E-Myth? The E-Myth. Okay. I've not heard of that. We'll link. We'll get links. First Karate Kid, then E-Myth. Okay. <laughs> what makes you feel courageous enough to tackle big things? Good night sleep. <laughs> yes. 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 We love sleep. <laughs> <laughs> what are three simple things in your life that bring you big joy? Okay. I'm a Dairy Queen Blizzard. Oh my God. <laughs> Me too. Right? Okay. Holding hands. <laughs> And ooh, like a real good playlist, mm-hmm. like the the playlist, like a playlist that you can listen to, like from the start to the finish. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that's my jam. One hundred percent. What is something that you've been noodling on lately? So since this is the first time we've, we're asking this question, Kyla is the queen of the noodles. Essentially, noodling <laughs> on lately is like something you've been mulling over that's been on your mind or maybe it's a concept you're exploring whatever yeah lots of noodles I feel like my brain is a pile of noodles <laughs> I mean I've had a lot of a lot of changes happen in the past year um, one in which is that I'm living with my family on Vancouver Island and I gotta keep this rapid fire so I'm noodling on where the heck I'm going to be living in the next six months. Am I going to be here? Am I going to be down in California with my lava? And <laughs> and if and when I'm going to end up down there. But like, what the heck am I going to be doing down there? <laughs> that was a big one, Kyla. Come on. Noodles. That's a big, that's like an udon. That's a bunch of udon. <laughs> that is an udon noodle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's big. Okay, I will ask the last one and Kyla, don't hate me, but Katie, can you at least give us the, the rapid fire version of how you just crossed a ditch to see your lover? Because I think that this oh is- Oh my gosh. Okay, so a couple days ago, I was in Vancouver, Harrison was snowboarding in Mount Baker, and we realized that if I just simply jumped over a ditch, which takes you from Canada to the US, and this is a very specific ditch, let me tell you. So the Peace Arch Park is where it all goes oh down. You can jump as a Canadian over a ditch onto the American side of the park, which is open, and you can see your loved ones. And so, okay, you two, this park, if I may have one and a half more minutes, 
this park <laughs> is ripe for a story. It was so beautiful that there is this space that you can do this because because the border closure is making human connection a lot harder for a lot of people. And ever mm. since I posted on social media that that's what I did, um, I've had so many people reach out to be like, oh, I'm so happy that somebody else is reaping the benefit off this space because people are using this space to see their parents. And um, obviously I'm seeing it mm-hmm. to like make out with my husband and to catch up and have <laughs> that like, you know, human interaction that we need to feel good. And it's yeah. so cool. Definitely need like a humans of New York person there to like document Ooh. some of these stories for sure. Totally. Also, it's like, it's beautiful. And it's also just like, it's garbage that that's even how things are right now like the fact that you can't see your husband without jumping over a ditch is kind of a problem I I know I know I don't know I do want to say though that we both got COVID tests before we both were very conscious about like the optics of it as well yeah (laughs) okay last rapid fire question what is the best thing you've done for your mental health recently? Maybe it's jumping mm. over the ditch. <laughs> totally. Oh my, honestly, yes. Jumping over a ditch and into a tent was a really good call on my part. I feel great today. Oh. <laughs> well, like a couple things that I've been doing. I mean, I moved home. I mm-hmm. left my life in the city, which, you know, was really hard to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I had to get over, I did like, put aside my ego of being like I'm this Mm -hmm. independent power lady who owns a business (laughs) and lives on my own in Vancouver (laughs) like I kind of had to be like oh god I'm moving home and friggin get over it because moving home rules (laughs) my parents make dinner every night (laughs) I'm learning how to play chess with my dad I'm getting to spend time with my mom like it's like friggin I'm I feel bad that I felt so bad about moving here. And in all honesty, (laughs) I'm a way chiller person because of it. So my ego can just get lost because I'm way cooler now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Living with parents is sweet. And also so many people have moved home this year, like moved out of the city and done things like that, or just like reconsidered what's most important to them. Like if you're living in a city and the reason you're there is like access to places nearby and all of those places are closed, it's kind of (laughs) loses a bit of its sparkle for sure. Absolutely. You know, you need so much, you, you do need courage to get through those big moments, but they do pay off and it's, and it's working out. So mm-hmm. I'm glad I did it. Okay. Well, one thing I wanted to mention before we sign off is that we've talked a lot on this podcast about finding people who you really admire and look up to and figuring out like what they're doing and finding a way to learn from them. And that's really been you for me, KG. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to say that I feel like for me, even in this episode, I've talked about like a lot of lessons I've learned from you, but I feel like you're someone who really exemplifies that like being original and like honest and and who you are. So like authentic is really what makes someone cool. I'm putting that in air quotes because I'm not sure I know what that means, but (laughs) 
I just wanted to say I couldn't not say that I'm really grateful to have learned so much from you, like even just through osmosis of like going to tight club and working with you. I just like when we talk about community at tight club, one thing that it really taught me and that I think that you set the stage for is that the things that make you like weird and different and freaky are like what makes you interesting and cool. And I, for me, that's been a huge gift. Like growing up, I feel like Kyla and I grew up in a small town where it was like definitely fit in or get left behind. <laughs> and so it was such a such an experience to be like, actually, all the stuff that you tried so hard to do to like be similar to others is like not that's not the good stuff. It's like the things that make you strange and cool. So that's my just like you and have inspired me to do big and bold and scary things. And I think your story inspires other people to do that, too. So, Aww. yeah. Thank you. So a full much, circle Kelsey. moment. Wow. Seriously. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. <laughs> thank you, Katie. This has been so nice, and we are so grateful to have you as our first guest. Dude, that's so cool. That's what's cool. <laughs> Especially since I've been uh, I've been on this podcast since day one. Yeah. I've been such a supporter of it. I think that yeah. what you gals are doing is so good and important and smart. And I learned Aww. so freaking much from you, too. And I hope that tonight... Maybe you can take from this is an opportunity to sit down and watch Karate Kid. (laughs) (laughs) That's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. Okay, bye. 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 Okay, back check time. Let's do it. So one thing I wanted to chat about that KG brings up when she's talking about therapy is she talks about tap therapy, which I hadn't heard of. Um, So I did some research into what it is. And hopefully this is the same thing that she's talking about, but it's what came up. (laughs) So it's also referred to as EFT, which is emotional freedom technique. And it's like an alternative Mm. treatment. So it's a treatment for both physical pain and emotional distress. And it's also referred to as tapping, which is what KG called it, or psychological acupressure. So kind of it it, it seems similar in a sense Mm. to acupuncture because they talked about acupuncture in this article as well. But people who use this technique believe that tapping on the body can create a balance in your energy system and treat pain. And it's still being researched, but it's used to treat people with anxiety and people with PTSD. And similar to acupuncture, EFT or tapping focuses on meridian points, which are like energy hotspots that help to restore your body's energy. And it's based on Chinese medicine, similar to acupuncture. So meridian points are like areas in your body where energy flows through from my understanding. And so keeping those pathways healthy helps energy flow and helps to maintain your health overall like otherwise it can lead to sickness and things like that Hmm. that makes sense this sounds like i don't know if this was last episode but you were talking about in one of the classes you were taking like tapping on yourself i think yeah so it's it's funny that you bring that up because i knew that there was like a reason for why we were doing that but i wasn't really sure what it was and it very much is like tapping i think what we're doing because you are like just knocking on different areas in your body i'm sure it's different like 
I don't know if some people go and get it done in a way that like you would go get acupuncture. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's all about like energy flow, which when I, if you go back and listen to the episode, Do Your Emotions Affect Your Health? In that episode, I share my (laughs) intimate journey with chronic UTIs and in that we talk about acupuncture and how I was I was not sure that it would do much for me and what I was dealing with and like truly changed my quality of life. So I'm a big believer in like these traditional practices. I think that it sounds awesome. So go back and listen to that one if you're interested cool. in things like that. And then the other thing I just wanted to touch on that was sort of a theme throughout this, and I just wanted to give like some context to it because I think that it would be helpful for people who are maybe in a leadership position or think they'll be a leader one day or want to be one or don't really know what that means or looks like, but think it's interesting. What I think was a really interesting thread throughout this conversation is like a sense of humility and like a big thread or a theme with KG is like, I can think of times where people would say things to her like, you like, look what you've built. Like, look at this thing that you've done. And you could tell there was so much discomfort and like accepting it as, as a you thing. She'd be like, this is a we, (laughs) this is a we thing. We created this. This is because of all of you. And so I was looking into sort of like what it means to be like a humble leader and, and just sort of like what the business world thinks of that. (laughs) Because it's, it was new to me. I have had so many bosses that like think that they know everything there is to know. And so it was new for me. And so I found a Forbes article about humble leaders. I'll link it in our show notes, but I thought it was really interesting. It talked about how humble leaders listen more effectively, inspire great teamwork, and focus everyone on organizational goals better than leaders who don't score high on humility. So what happens is because humble leaders understand that they're not the smartest person in every room, nor do they need to be. They recognize that that's not what they signed up for. They encourage people to speak up. They respect differences of opinions. And they always champion the best ideas, whether that was theirs or someone else's or a top executive or whoever it was. You're just you're open to, to ideas. And if they're good ones, you're on board. And a big part of that is that when things go wrong, humble leaders are able to admit their mistakes and accept responsibility mm. because I think they don't tie their like self-worth to yeah. their work in a Output. sense. Yeah. 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 So I just thought that was interesting because also in this, in this article, it talked about how humility often gets a bad rap because people think it might mean like you're weak or you're subservient or introverted or something. But it's actually most closely linked with things like sincerity and fairness and truthfulness and authenticity. So I just Mm -hmm. personally found that like really cool to read about and like see context for because I've had many like bosses in my life. And I just think that it's cool to start to think about like what works best versus what we're kind of told we're supposed to act like in a role like that yeah I wonder I'm sorry to do this in the fact check but I wonder (laughs) how that comes into play with like different genders in leadership as well because I know we've said things in the past about how like certain qualities in men are seen different than they are in women and I'm curious like it does kind of almost seem like a more authentically and I don't like to gender qualities because Mm -hmm. obviously that's a bit silly but a more feminine style of leadership. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. 
Yeah, and you almost wonder sometimes like if you're in a male dominated industry or role, if you act with vulnerability but they don't, then do you get steamrolled? Yeah, I have seen that too in like a male dominated company where the only women who succeed are those who kind of embody the like more aggressive and, you know, like masculine in air quotes qualities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is funny too, because I feel like there's so much discourse on this because for so long, and we've talked about this too, we joke about how like we go back and we don't joke about it. This is real, but we talk about <laughs> how we go back in our emails and we'll like delete out stories and we'll delete yeah. out exclamation points. <laughs> and now I saw on Instagram, there's like a a new version of it where it's like me leaving the exclamation points in all my emails because women don't need to act like men in order to be respected or something. And I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know what to do anymore. (laughs) God, yeah, it's complicated. Oh man, I feel like, okay, let's, well, maybe that's a different episode. (laughs) We'll get into that someday. (laughs) But yeah, I just think for me, that was eye-opening because I think most of the leaders I've had in my life have really tried to show you that they're really smart and really capable And I just think that it's better to just probably demonstrate that in your actions. Like if you're telling people that it's probably not, not great. I know. And it's also based in exactly what you're saying, like fear and worth. Like if you Mm -hmm. fail, then you're Mm -hmm. unworthy. And like everything people do, I feel like is largely based in fear and the kind of, I know everything and I'm always right is some sort of defense mechanism, but Uh, maybe not a great one. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. So Something I want to learn more about. I also, (laughs) honestly, Brene Brown needs to start giving us like commission, but um, (laughs) she has a book called Dare to Lead and it's all about leadership and her, her viewpoints on it. So if you're interested in like a more nuanced approach to leadership, I think that's a good route to go as opposed to like Dale Carnegie or whatever that guy's name is. (laughs) (laughs) How to the seven habits of highly effective people or how to please people and whatever those books are. (laughs) Okay, those are my facts. Okay, cool. And just a reminder, if you want to try out TCTV, you can use code TIGHTMESS, all one word, for 15% off your first month. Bye. Bye.